0: My name's Mel Herbert, and he's Tom Wolfson. We're gonna be talking about the cars, the batteries, the solar panel, the stock price, the man, the myth. We're gonna be talking about everything Tesla. Why? Because we're talking. Talking talking.
1: Talking, talking. 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 Talking.
0: Talking. Talking. Talking Tesla. Hey ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Sort of breaking news right here. Before we send this podcast off for mastering, um, I just watched the SpaceX launch. So the Falcon 9 rocket. It deployed, it went all the way up into a low-Earth orbit. It deployed all its little satellites, and the first stage of that rocket came back to Earth and landed upright, didn't explode, went fantastically. This is really, really an incredible feat. It's just stunning that a private company of all people have been able to do this, and this is going to reduce the cost of sending satellites into space and ultimately Mars by an enormous factor. So congratulations to SpaceX, And all of those engineers and people involved under Elon Musk, it was really an amazing thing to watch. Sort of been likened in terms of difficulty, uh, like taking a pencil and firing it over the Empire State Building, all the way to the other side, and then back again and landing that pencil upright. I mean, that is what we're talking about here. Just wonderful. Nice work. Before we get into this uh, episode, I just wanted to say thank you for myself and for Tom for listening to the show It's been a lot of fun putting it together, but we just want to be part of the discussion about, you know, what's happening with electric cars and renewable energy. And it's just nice that so many of you have jumped on board. So, again, to all of you that listen and have subscribed, thanks so much. You know, you can help out by just going on to iTunes and uh, leaving us a rating, leaving a comment. That really helps us. But, again, have a safe holiday season. And we'll probably take a couple of weeks off and talk to you early in the new year. We've got some great ideas about how to improve the show. But again, just thanks for listening. So let's get into this show. And we'll start off with Tom criticizing the name of this episode. Thanks, Tom. Thousand Mile Battery episode?
2: Stupid name. That's not what it's called.
0: The Thousand Mile Battery. That's, <laughs> that is what you do to get eyeballs. <laughs> Uh, That is what that is about. The 1,000-mile battery. So Tom was telling me a little story about the fact that he is going to get a Model S secondhand. Actually, his wife is. And it's a great story, except the audio got all screwed up. But let's jump back into the story at this point here. And there's a lot of them out there. You
2: know, I'm trying to get her to buy one in Chicago so I can fly out there and drive it home. Oh, yeah, yeah. baby. So right now we're looking for an early year... Model S. We're looking for an eighty-five. Uh, for some crazy reason, she's like looking at them with the big panoramic roofs, and I'm like, "That's a very bad idea. It's hot in the valley. The sun beats down on you. There's no way to close that thing." And I've heard anecdotally that they it makes the car much much hotter internally. Anecdotally,
0: so, there is no actual evidence for that statement.
2: No. So, well, somebody told me that they had <laughs> that, and it makes the car very hot inside. Okay. Light so. Up. Is that not anecdotally?
0: Yeah, that's anecdotally. That's very anecdotally. (laughs) That is an anecdote. I felt like I used it properly and
2: then was ridiculed by you. No,
0: I was ridiculing the science behind the anecdote, (laughs) not the anecdote. The
2: the science behind the anecdote. You do not have the panoramic roof. No, I do not. Why? Because it
0: was like five grand more. (laughs) Everything was five grand more. Everything
2: is five grand on the Tesla website. Do you want that? Five grand. So the interesting thing about it is that there are – this one woman in particular is responding to us very much like any used car dealer would. We were like, hey, we're looking for these cars in the 50 to 55 range and 85 with these features. And she continuously sends us emails for $80,000 demos. Yeah. That they're trying to sell us.
0: Yeah. What, what's it going to take to get uh, you into the car that they hit? What it's going it to take, take
2: is we <laughs> want this car. Can you tell us some information about this? So this is how it goes. We email her. She's like, I found this really cool car that's eighty three thousand dollars. I'm like, if I had eighty three thousand dollars. I'd be driving an X woman What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> is this the official Tesla site? Yeah, this is – so on the official Tesla website, but this is a woman in our local Tesla store that we went in to deal with because we were told that they have access to additional inventory that is not on the website that additional inventory they do have access to are demo models all over the country mm. so there's some there mm. there's some at the service center which i think is where they keep most of them and we've talked about this for a long time now and i feel like you're rolling your eyes in the back of your head already but i found it <laughs> to be very interesting in this one aspect of my tesla eyes are in the front of my head they're acting <laughs> They're acting like any car dealer. So, so you're upset.
0: You're just thinking that they're the same as every other car. Right, in that, second-hand case, dealer. In that
2: particular case, yes. Yeah. So, but, and it's the upsetting. other part about it is we're looking for a car in the 2013, 2014 realm, it looks yeah. like, with probably without autopilot, is yeah. my guess, because that's about the price range that we're, we need yeah. a, a very specific low, low price range <laughs> to make this work for us. And they're just they're not they're not that many of them, A, eh? and she's just not she's not playing ball with us. Those are the years that are having that issue with the, the, drive, drive. Train. the drive. The drive the drivetrain, right? So shall so, we
0: skip ahead and talk about so that? So that's it.
2: I mean it's interesting to me in that sense. It's like is that something I'm gonna have to worry about? I don't think so because they're gonna give me some additional warranty. So if it happens, it'll probably happen under warranty. But do you think it's big enough now that Even out of warranty, they're going to be fixing those?
0: I would think so because it's going to be bad public relations now that they've fessed up. So here's a story from the San Francisco CBS local, which is two-thirds of um, Tesla drivetrains fail by 60,000 miles.
2: Two-thirds. That's a huge number.
0: That's um, one-third more than one-third. And a uh, quick math on that. Um,
2: that's a one-third less than all of them also.
0: it's yeah, right. <laughs> and so this is actually based on 400 or so sort of uh, reports. Yeah. And Anecdotal. Anec- anecdotals. <laughs> But it seems that they fail a lot. Like I said, I had the issue where mine yeah. started to make the noise. This is supposed to be for earlier model cars. Mm-hmm. And they just sort of did something magic to it. They're replacing them, they say, before they fail. So it was initially reported as they're failing. But now they're saying, like, when it looks like it's about to fail, we fix it. So it's not like we're leaving you out there. But right. that's a lot of drive failures. It's supposedly fixed. But, yeah, if you're buying a second-hand Tesla of that, uh, of that ilk, you would want to be sure that they're going to um, – you know. Honor replace that. that yeah um let's talk about our interview with uh, dan steingart so oh. here is dan
3: i'm dan steingart i'm an assistant professor at princeton in the department of mechanical and aerospace engineering
0: and the Anlinger center for
3: energy and the environment
0: so i asked dan a difficult question look, look we keep hearing about these new battery technologies graphene nanotechnology superconductors so i asked him you know what are the theoretical limits here which is the best technology going forward that's a really tough question
3: I, I'm really biased here.
0: The the great things about batteries
3: as, as an engineer is that you can pin the tail on, on what the best you can do is pretty well. I can look at the periodic table, right? And that's what my canvas is. And I want something that is very reactive and very light. So all I have to do is look at the second row of the periodic table, and all the way on the left is lithium, and all the way on the right is fluorine. You know, the best you can do is some battery that enables you to use pure lithium and pure fluorine. And if we could do that and have nothing else, then we can have on the order of maybe a thousand mile car. Fluorine's really dangerous stuff. And lithium isn't so great without a great cage. So we have to engineer it and we have to save it from itself, right? So in a perfect world where the safety factor didn't matter at all and nothing could blow up, We'd had lithium, and, lithium and fluorine, but because lithium and fluorine are so energy dense, it also kind of makes it really dangerous. So the real breakthrough of the lithium ion battery was the ability to harness lithium and recharge it in a way that is shockingly safe. You know, there's a lot of fear, uncertainty and doubt about, you know, whether you're going to have battery fires or not. And one has to be very careful when handling such an energy dense thing. But that a lithium ion battery works at all is a real testament to significant amounts of of, uh, engineering over 20, 30 years before the first lithium ion battery came out. Where it could go? Well, you know, so here your Tesla gets 250 to 300 miles. And I told you of this battery that's asymptotically roughly... A thousand miles, based you know, and again, this is based on the weight of the car,
0: all that stuff. But and here's the big but:
3: the increments aren't aren't going to be great. And here's why I don't think the increments are going to be great. If you look at the energy density of of an eighteen six hundred and fifty, the core cell that's in a Tesla, and then you look at the actual energy density of the entire Tesla battery pack, it's about a quarter to a third, roughly, of what the cell could give you in order to make the Tesla car safe and reliable and have the cells be rechargeable and guaranteed for eight years and 125,000 miles, the battery already has to be derated. So if there was a way to take existing chemistries and utilize all that energy in a safer manner, packing the cells closer together, not having to spend so much on cooling, so much weight and volume on cooling, you could get more batteries into the same space within the battery pack and improve your range that way.
0: Okay, so why don't you guys just do that? Shove a whole bunch more lithium and batteries together. Give me more range. Give it to me.
3: This is a super hard problem. Cells generate a lot of heat. Even when they operate as efficiently as they can, that mass of cells compressed in such a small space generates a lot of heat. Uh, If your listeners are familiar with the concept of of heat capacity, right? So heat capacity tells us how much energy has to go into a body of stuff to raise its temperature by a certain amount. And the catch-22 of batteries and range and energy density is that the more energy you put into a given amount of space, the hotter it can get if something goes horribly wrong. Uh, And this is something called thermal runaway. If we made the Tesla battery as dense, as energy dense as the, today's chemistry would allow it to be, it would be really unsafe. It would, get, it would get way too hot and you would see
0: many, 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 many more battery fires. So there's the problem. Heat generation. Ah, there's always something. So theoretically, actually, right now you could go out to your Tesla and if you took off all of the restraints that are put on there electronically, you could probably get a thousand miles out of your battery right now at the risk of burning to death. Given a closed system where where mass can't
3: enter or leave the battery, you know, we have to choose as engineers and consumers between range and safety right now. And I think that we're making the right choice around safety. But do not fear. All is not lost. There is great hope, actually, with just a few tweaks. There are certain things that are happening in the field that allow the battery to operate in a more energy-dense configuration in a safer manner. And these are being actively researched by uh, many of my colleagues. These include removing flammable components of lithium-ion battery. Right now, the electrolyte is an organic that's quite flammable. And if we can replace this with a, a non-volatile liquid or even a solid system... And there are a few companies that are pursuing solid electrolytes. This would allow us to better utilize the energy storage materials we have now. We would still have to make sure they didn't overheat, but it would not be so quick to go into thermal runaway.
0: On that point, actually, Clean Technia has an article from September, which is a report from Bosch that says that they are going to have a battery, solid state lithium, which will double the energy density and reduce the price substantially. They're really doubling down. They're a big company a lot of cash, and they say within five years, they'll be up in production and making these solid-state lithium batteries, twice the energy density, and half the price, or less price than we pay right now. That would be cool. Other things that we can do
3: are, are, instead of packing all the batteries into a single spot where that heat can build up and it's hard for it to get out, we can spread the battery around the car. So there are government programs, and, and my lab is funded by one of these, that seek to put the battery into the panels, the outside panels of cars and into the structure of a car so that it can be more spread out and it's easier to cool. And if it's easier to cool, you can pack a little bit more all around. It also does neat things to, to the weight distribution of the system. And I think there's a lot of clever things that can happen there. But remember, all we're doing when we do that is we're not really improving the energy density of the given material. Rather, we're utilizing what's available at an engineering scale. So when we talk about using pure lithium instead of lithium ion, the question I always ask my students and my colleagues is like, why are we going for this energy density target for the cell level for cars and stationary storage when we can't even use it all? We have to build these systems around it. We have to effectively derate that capacity to make the battery safer and last longer. I think... The real thing that's going to happen to make cars have significantly more range is a radical redesign of what the battery looks like and where the battery is on a car. I think if you can put the battery in the bumper, in the doors of the car, and design the battery such that on impact it doesn't blow up, and this seems counterintuitive, but I've seen really nice examples of how this might be possible, then you can really get the capacity up. It's much easier to do that than to invent a brand new material, because when you invent that brand new material, let's say we have a material and that material stores this much more energy, we often get into a situation where the energy is very difficult to get out quickly. So just because we're storing all this energy doesn't mean that we can access that energy all at once or fast enough. And this is where nanotechnology comes into play. Nanotechnology, more than anything else, increases the power density of a battery, how quickly we can get energy in and out of the cell. Batteries for time immemorial have been acting at the atomic scale, right? A bond is broken and reformed to release and and store energy within a battery nanotechnology has made those bonds more accessible and more rationally structured before we were slapping stuff together and hoping it worked. And now we're tailoring the particles at a submicron scale to make that happen. So the way I see it is that using nanotechnology to improve the power density, and this is how fast we can charge and discharge the battery, and then making the batteries at a macroscopic scale safer through the use of new kinds of electrolytes, and safer in the sense that we're not concentrating all the energy in one spot will make us able to have cars that go uh,
0: longer distances. Take homes, just give us a couple of quick take homes from that interview. Dan said a lot of words. <laughs> that's, that's how uh, interviews typically go,
2: right? There, there was some, was some science.
0: physics, and I'm not sure I picked all up, it all up. But right. here's what I got: the, my car right now probably could get a thousand miles range right now, except the chance of it exploding <laughs> into fire right. would be increased as it's
2: configured it has the capabilities potentially to put a lot more energy into it. My take homes were, they just need to figure out a, a better cooling situation so they can make this happen. But the interesting thing was, so we are now currently living in a time where a thousand mile range is not, is theoretically, not even theoretically possible, but it's actually possible. Like we could charge that bad boy up to a thousand miles and, you know, roll the dice with our lives. <laughs> yeah. Potentially. Let's do it. Right? So that means that the issue is they got to figure out how to cool them without using too much electricity. However, why don't they just use 200 miles of that electricity? Right. <laughs> And give me an 800 mile. Yeah, battery. give me an 800 mile range. Like, what are they doing? I love the idea of the batteries being dispersed about the car. Yes. However, the difference between how that, like some of the big sales things that Elon always talks about, is the low center of gravity, right? So that would take that away. Make it if you had them in the roof. If I lived in like. Uh, Sweden or Norway or someplace really cold, I'd be like, hey, can you guys turn the safety things up? Because yeah. I want some rain, baby. It is chilly. It, it's
0: chilly. And I need another five. Like mile Arctic range. Circle Tesla, 1,000-mile range. I think we're getting back to what we talked about months ago, which is basically just drag the battery behind you. Just, <laughs> just have your car and then drag the battery behind you. So if it bursts into the flames, you can just jettison it. Oh, yeah, put
2: the battery like on an ice block. And just yeah. just drag that with you. We're though. not engineers. No, that doesn't seem very efficient. So that was energy.
0: It was interesting. You, you wanted to give us an update of your your giant solar city factory that you found last episode. You just I found, found it. it. <laughs> you just found, I found it. I was I was
2: searching through Google Earth, and I was like, "What is this giant factory <laughs> thing? Oh, it's a it's a solar factory." Yeah, I can give you an update on that. They are building it. It's moving forward, finishing the factory by October, and Solar City will start putting their equipment inside by early twenty sixteen and spend most of twenty sixteen working out the kinks and full production by the first quarter of 2017. Now, since this is an Elon Musk company, that means 2019 or 2020.
0: Um, No, his cousin's running a little bit Oh, his
2: cousin's running this one, so it's probably...
0: Anyway, it's going to have a huge capacity. It's going to be one of the biggest solar manufacturing plants in the world. This was from the New York Times. It said, and this is stunning, residential costs of solar have dropped by 45% since 2010. Utility scale have dropped even more significantly recently prices are down to five cents per kilowatt hour so that is a huge decline there's a few good things about that the price of this is getting lower and lower and in fact it's now getting to the point where generating electricity from solar is going to be less than coal and in some places already is that's amazing there's a downside though what's Uh, the downside to to what the downside to solar i bought thirty thousand dollars worth of solar about five years ago Uh uh-huh should have bought it this year would have been half the price now what I'm saying? What does this mean if solar prices keep coming down? Should you buy your solar system? Should you lease your solar system? Or is it just like a car? You just have to suck it up and say, look, I know that the price of this thing is going to go down as soon as I buy it. I still like the idea of just buying my solar panels and be done because I've got the lease and I've got to buy – I yeah. bought one. And I don't like paying every month. It's psychological. Is your lease through Solar City? Yeah. Why didn't you do the prepaid thing? No, they didn't really give me as an option. I wasn't thinking straight. I was, there was some drinking. You should have.
2: You, you need to call me a little more often.
0: So let's go back and talk about subsidies, shall we? Subsidies have come up in this program a number of times, and on VanityFair.com, you can see a big long interview that Elon Musk had. And in this uh, interview, which I really suggest you go to the show notes and you listen to the whole hour, he talks about subsidies and why he doesn't think they're as big a deal as many of us think they are. Here's
4: Elon. I should, at some point, I should probably write a rebuttal because there was like a nonsensical uh, LA Times article from which a lot of this stems. Um, because w- w- what the LA Times article did was add up um, all incentives that Tesla has received and all intent- incentives that Tesla will receive. So like over a 30-year period and made it, uh, made it sound like a big number. Um, but it's, you know, um, like if somebody's earning $50,000 a year you don't say. You don't call them a millionaire because over the next twenty years they will cumulatively earn a million dollars. But that's effectively what that article uh, did. Um, the incentives, I think, for for Tesla and Solar City, what they really do is balance out the, um, the, the 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 actual and de facto incentives that carbon-producing um, activities have. So. And I don't think they actually balance it out. So the carbon-producing activities still sort of overwhelm um, the incentives that electric cars and solar receives. I mean, for example, th- there's a 20% um, tax incentive for a stripper oil well. Um, like, and the, the, the incentive for solar is currently 30%, but dropping to 10% uh, in two years. Right. So the, you know, in two years, the incentive for solar power will be half that of a stripper oil well. Right. So, you know... Uh, and, and SpaceX made it, in, in, in spite of Boeing and Lockheed receiving a billion dollar plus uh, subsidy for their launch activities. So I think in the case of SpaceX, it was sort of success in spite of incentives. Uh, and in the case of SolarCity and Tesla, it was, the incentives were, you know, moderately helpful, but not, not the deciding factor. They're, they're, they're a catalyst. They made things happen a little faster than they would otherwise happen, but... Um, you know, you look at something like the, like the, the, there's a $7,500 tax credit for uh, EVs. Um, okay, so that ends up being a 10% uh, discount that the consumer receives for buying the car. It, it's not like night and day different.
0: Now, here's another story, which is uh, there is a, this is from Fortune. Vermont utility is selling Tesla home batteries, but why? Did they not listen to the show in Vermont? Now, uh-huh. You don't like them. I don't think that they're going to be cost-effective. So that is the question, why? And they said, here are the reasons that this utility is actually going to buy them for homes. Okay. is because, one, they have a very uh, progressive CEO, Mary Powell, who's very smart, very tech savvy. And because of that, she wants to bring in smart grid technology to the people that they are supplying the energy to. The barmasters. And these batteries will help them with that, with their load, being able to turn on and off load using these batteries in a smart grid-like manner. Interesting. And they also have a lot of storms and crap there. And so they're looking for some temporary backup that's not all just relying on the utility but distributed backup. And they thought, hey, the Tesla battery is the best way to do that. We're going to stick these in houses, smart grid, backups, it's gonna be all good times because she's smart lady.
2: Are they? Did they say like how they were gonna install them? Are they gonna install multiple ones, one of each, the like the long term and the short term? They versions did not say. They're
0: making it sound like when uh, uh, they're gonna come over to your house and go, Tom. Hello. Uh, uh, oh, it's Vermont m- Power, come on in. Do you do you mind if uh, we install a Tesla battery? I'm gonna make it pretty cheap for you. You're gonna you're gonna do well in this uh, uh, if you don't uh, I'll break your fingers. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how they're going to do it. That's not what
2: Vermont is doing. No. (laughs) It's the Garden State? No. City of Coal? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not, <laughs> What's Vermonters, I don't know, live free or die? Live, no, that's not them either. No, no, no. I don't know. They got they got something
0: going on. Okay, here we go. Next one. Ford spending cash on a higher electric car. So this is from MarketWatch. Ford Motor Company said Thursday that it plans to roll out a more capable electric version of the Ford Focus, which is sort of their flagship electric car right now. It gets about 70 miles. They plan on getting it up to 100 miles in the next uh, short while and at the same time develop a whole Series of new electric cars to compete with Tesla and GM, especially in the range department, which is now in the 200 to 300-mile uh, area. Yeah. That means uh, over the next four years, they're going to drop $4.5 with a B dollars into uh, developing better electric cars. Four, for four years.
2: years. That's a billion, more than a bill a year. That's pretty good. They're a little bit behind. I wonder where they're going to get their batteries. Oh, probably from
0: uh, Elon Everybody's going to get him from Elon.
2: I don't think so. Elon's trying to fill
0: his own orders at this point. That's true. And since you're talking about getting yourself a second-hand Tesla – I've got a little note here from Tesla Teslarati, Rob M of Teslarati. You sent me this one about should you buy the extended service warranty. Now, there's too much. It's too dense to go into detail about this thing. From any company or from Tesla specifically? From Tesla specifically. So this guy, Rob M, he has a Model S. He's got uh, lots of miles on it. He puts a lot of miles on He does yeah. about 3,000 miles a month. I don't know where he's driving. And Fine. so the question he asked himself is, should I buy the extended service warranty? It's $4,000. And basically covers de- defects in sort of um, their parts. It doesn't do wear and tear or anything like that. And even under the extended service warranty, which costs $4,000, if there's a broken part, you still have to pay 200 bucks to get that part fixed. So it's not like a there's complete – There's like a deductible or whatever, a, a which deductible. I think is actually kind of bullshit. It's kind of weird actually. So he goes through and says, you know, since the base warranty on uh, S is for eight years – or infinite number of miles, depending on how many miles you want to try and put on in eight years, the battery and the drivetrain is covered. This extra warranty for him, it's not worth it. And uh, he makes a good argument for it being not worth it. For him
2: it's not because he does so
0: many thousands of miles or whatever. And he said, uh, you can quote him, uh, the last line you noted was your favorite part. Last line of the article. Rob M says, instead of spending $4,000 on an extended warranty, he's going to invest in Tesla, which we
2: all should have done with Tesla and Apple. And although, you know, we've had some issues this year with Apple stock, but that's okay. That's a different show. So Um,
0: if you're thinking about the extended service warranty, I suggest you go to Ready and read that uh, article. It is actually I bought the
2: extended service warranty when I bought the RAV4. Uh I got eight years, 125,000 miles. So for me, you know, I'm going to be probably. Use that up to the eight-year life of the car. And for him, again, it doesn't make sense to do it. And my guess is because
0: it's a Tesla, like
2: like a lot of things they're just going to cover. Like major things, they're probably going to take care of them. Let's
0: talk about Hyperloop for one second. Um, the Hyperloop. Moving there's a, forward. There's couple, two groups, two yeah. big groups that I know about. But yeah. one of them is actually here in L.A. They have a design center in downtown L.A. Did you yeah. know that? I, I, well, district. I knew
2: it after I read the the article about it. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, it's pretty cool. I actually think we should try to get in there.
0: So I was thinking, Tom, I think we need to get in the Tesla and drive down there and see if we can get a little look around, a little looky-loo. See if they're making it big enough to put the
2: the, the Tesla in the Hyperloop tube.
0: I'm excited about taking my Tesla, driving it down to the Tesla Loop in downtown LA. Yeah. Getting fired to Vegas at 700 miles an hour. Boom. And then just driving out the other end. So I'm in Vegas with my car and the whole trip took like 20 minutes.
2: That'd be sweet. And you wouldn't even need to supercharge on the way. No. I don't think it's going to be that big. To be honest with you, I think you're going to have to get inside of a little round pod. I'm not getting in it. But for again, quite I, a while. I still think, like, the first one that is being built right now, their idea is, again, to use it to move materials yeah. as opposed to people. And, and I think that sense. is going to be
0: huge. Yeah, we talked about it before. Uh, you can go at 1,000 miles an hour, but uh, it's going to make a lot of people anxious. But you can stick my, my Amazon crap in there and fire it at 1,000 yeah. miles an hour. If that Send thing blows away. up, what do I care? Right. Send yeah. me another one. <laughs>
2: Send me two more. Like it's just shoe cream. Exactly. <laughs> you have shoe cream?
0: Well, like to polish your shoes. Oh. Like to shine your shoes? Like toe jam or something. Let's talk about artificial intelligence you don't hear a lot of that on this program. <laughs> no, you. Artificial
2: have, or actual? Artificial unintelligence. You hear a lot of that. We have got. We've got that in spades, as it were.
0: So, Vanity Fair and Tech Insider and lots of people are uh, quoting Elon, saying, "I'm really anxious about artificial intelligence," but he's done this kind of weird thing where he's now invested in this non-profit company,
2: open-source non-profit company,
0: which seems to be its job is basically to. Um, make sure that artificial intelligence doesn't turn evil. Yes, it's been you know, stated multiple times that Elon's really worried about artificial intelligence. But again, let's go back to that Vanity Fair interview and hear what both Elon has to say and the president of Y Combinator, uh, Sam Altman, when asked by somebody in the crowd about what is the upside to artificial intelligence? Is there a future where there isn't terminators and this could work out for us?
1: Yeah, I I think, look, there is a really positive vision here, right? I I think there are... The science fiction version is either that we enslave it or it enslaves us, but there's this uh, happy symbiotic vision, which I don't think is the default case, but what we should work towards. I think already um, humans and AI are co-evolving and no one's paid attention to this yet, but I don't think there's any human left that understands all of how Google search results are ranked on that first page. It really is machine learning algorithms. So when we search on Google, it's an AI deciding what we should see. When a dating site matches two people together, there's a machine learning algorithm that no human understands how it works that is getting people together that then have babies. And so in effect, you know, you have this like machine learning algorithm breeding humans. And so really, I mean, you do. Um, And so there's this, and then, you know, those people like work on the algorithms later. And so I think the happy vision of the future is sort of humans and AI in a symbiotic relationship, distributed AI where it's sort of empowers a lot of different individuals not this single ai that kind of governs everything that we all do that's you know a million times smarter a billion times smarter than any other entity so i think that's what we should work towards
4: Um, i agree with what sam said Um, i mean we are effectively already a human machine collective symbiote Um, like there's like we're like a like a giant cyborg Um, that that's actually what society is today um you know, but but I mean, you know, sort of obviously I, I mean I have an affinity for the human portion of that cyborg collective, um, and um, I think I do think we need to be careful about the development of AI and make sure it is ultimately beneficial to humanity. That it's uh, that that the future is good.
0: Let's finish this thing with oh. a fun fact. Tell gives fun the fun fact. fact. We're not going to do
2: the SpaceX test
0: situation. Oh well. You know, I'm gonna add that later because tomorrow they're gonna to fire it off, and if it works, I'll edit it. In awesome.
2: There. That's gonna be cool. So here's your fun fact, and we're gonna end with this. In nineteen ninety five, Elon Musk went to Stanford University to pursue his PhD in energy physics. He was there for how many days, Mel? Do you know? Do you have any idea how many well, days he attended Stanford University?
0: Energy physics is gonna be it's gonna be a five or six year program. So yeah. he's probably there for like fifteen hundred days? <laughs> no. Two days. Uh he attended. Was he cramming? I mean, that's, he's, <laughs> he's, smart, but he's not that smart. He's
2: very smart. No, he got there. He founded his first company while he was there in two days, which is an impressive 48 Dude. hours really for anyone. <laughs> really? The Zip2 Corporation, which provided online content publishing software for news organizations. Thanks, Elon. That's how we get the info for this show is my guess, right? Four years later, this company was sold to compact. For $307 million in cash and $34 million in stock options. And Elon got how much out of that? $22 million. So he spent two days at Stanford and made $22 million. That's more than the professors of making, I think. I have applied for Stanford, (laughs) just in case any people are wondering. I'm going to see... I only need to actually for me my number I need to be at for about an hour and a half <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'll be and I'll then be I'm good. gone and I'm out so so I mean you know go mighty trees or whatever the hell you people so are So then
0: he had uh, <laughs> he did PayPal and then by the age of 28 Tom yeah. he was worth a billion dollars No How much were no, you not worth by, by 28
2: no, he was a millionaire by twenty eight PayPal came oh. after this Oh he was a billionaire just, a few years later. That's upset he was probably like thirty two or thirty three I don't that's, know that's sad. how how much how rich was I when I was twenty eight
0: Yeah see,
2: carry the floor. I think I might have had nine grand that's is that less:
0: That's less than a million
2: It's less than millions twenty 22, 22 million. of the millions. We, could, we should work out how much that is per second he spent at Stanford. So, you know, you send your kids, you want them to grow up and go to college <laughs> and do good things. My guess is he didn't really have to go to Stanford to do this.
0: No, it was just – he was going to Stafford, but he was at the same time.
2: Like how do you think it worked? Like his parents were dropping him off in front and (laughs) he had like his duffel bag and like his rolled up mattress (laughs) under the other hand and he was kind of nervous and and awkward and wondering, like, am I going to have any friends? Is that how it works when you go into a PhD program?
0: (laughs) I don't know. I haven't been
2: into an energy Ph.D. program with no, Stephen. No? Never? And neither is he. No. Oh, that's true. I mean, he got in. What do you think? He probably spent more time on the application and the essay <laughs> to get into that Ph.D. program than he did in the program. Like, do you think he went to class? Even no, dude.
0: he didn't do
2: anything. <laughs> Two days. He had other plans. Awesome. We love Elon. We really do. Watch that Vanity Fair interview, it's people. It's so good. It's Watch so it. good.
0: Not going to happen. Are you hey, sure?
2: you have a good holiday. You too, buddy. Happy um, holidays. You're going holidays. to be in town for the holidays? No,
0: I'm going to a little place called Australia. Are you going to drive a right-handed-sided Tesla when you get there? Uh, and you you should do that. There's an old crappy red Datsun that is waiting for me at my aunt's house.
2: That doesn't sound electric. It's not
0: electric. This
2: <laughs> is not good. You should rent a Tesla right-hand drive there while you're there just to get a feel for it. Probably would cost a lot. Yeah, but you can write it off on this, the, all the cash we're pulling in on this podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
2: The tens of dollars. The tens of
0: dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Probably get a half day's rental out of it. That.
2: <laughs> That's not true. We do this for you people, for the love of electricity and for the love of oxygen and the hatred Deep seated hatred we have for carbon dioxide. I'm against it. anti dioxide. All of them the dyes, the yuna, the trioxides they can all bite me. Why? Because we're
1: talking, 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 talking,
0: talking, 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 talking